there are so many opportunities. There's so many ways to invest and really think about how we can develop new technologies, new, new jobs. You're listening to Hope Act Thrive by Be The Future. Or we like to call it HAT for short. And you, my dear listeners, are our Mad Hatters. HAT is an inspirational podcast for guardians of the next generation. Whether you're a planet-conscious parent, groovy grandparent, fab foster carer, terrific teacher, awesome auntie, or any other member of the extended family. We're having conversations with leading doers, thinkers, and shakers in climate action that will inspire you to stay optimistic, feel part of an ever-growing movement, and take actions that fit into your busy lives. Just like you, we want to create a better, greener, fairer future for the kids in our life. So, who are we? I'm Sally Giblin, an environmentalist, writer, and parent, and co-host of this podcast. I'm the one providing the Aussie accent. And I'm Helen Hill, and I'm an educator, author, and designer. The one with a very exotic British Bolton accent. Hello, and welcome to the Hope Act Thrive podcast. Today's episode is with Dr. Claudia Benitez-Nilsen, an Associate Dean and Carolina Distinguished Professor in the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of South Carolina. Her research focuses on understanding the biogeochemical cycling of nutrients and carbon and how they're influenced by climate change. Her many research honours include the Early Career Award in Oceanography from the American Geophysical Union and being named a Fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science and the Association for the Sciences of Luminology and Oceanography. Claudia is passionate about teaching and mentoring the next generation. She's a member of Science Mums, a group focusing on helping mothers who are concerned about their children's futures, but aren't confident in their knowledge about climate change or how they can help. This episode is supported by Climate Mama, which helps climate mamas and papas to tell the truth about climate change, take action, and not be afraid. Helen wasn't able to join this session, so I'll be flying solo with Claudia today. In this conversation, we'll talk about demystifying climate science for parents, parenting in a changing climate, and increasing diversity in the sciences. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast, Claudia. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Very happy to have you here because we're incredibly keen to delve a little bit more into how we can demystify science for parents because climate science can seem like such a big overwhelming topic for those of us who aren't you know necessarily in it day to day as scientists so how can we best demystify climate science oh my gosh well you're so right i mean and that's our fault you know we're scientists we get into the nitty-gritty details you know and, and want to explain every little piece of it and i will just say that i think understanding the big pictures of climate is not as difficult as you might think. And there's a lot of resources out there. And and that's part of why I joined Science Moms, someone who's a scientist and a mom and talking to other moms and realizing, oh my goodness, we really need to do a better job of, of talking about climate change, climate science, what it means. And so, yeah, so demystifying climate science, I will just say that it's pretty straightforward. We are putting tons of carbon dioxide into our atmosphere. It's making us warmer as a planet, and that's changing our planet in a whole variety of ways that frankly aren't good for us and aren't good for our children moving forward. So that's my my big pitch about demystifying the science. And again, 
Science Moms has some fabulous resources online that you can go to. And, and it really it has different levels of information, everything from, you know, someone like an adult like me, but even to talking about how to talk to your kids and all of the other types of activities that you might want to do in, in between. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear, Claudia. And it's so needed to have those spaces that make it more accessible and just really break it down to something that's quite understandable. And so I guess there is so much out there, especially when you're hearing about IPCC reports or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, you know, so many different news reports and and data. If you just had to limit it to three things that people should try and remember or know about climate science, what would that be? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess I would say our climate is changing due to human activities. It's changing right now. It's not in the future. It's it's happening as we speak. And it's impacting not just plants and animals, but, but all of us. And uh, the results of heating our atmosphere and our planet just isn't about just increasing temperatures, but the severity, frequency, and scale of big climactic events, droughts floods, fire, hurricanes, and thunderstorms. I mean, I think that in a nutshell kind of encapsulates what we know and that everyone should be thinking about as we talk about climate and climate change. I think that's incredibly helpful what you just put together there. It really does put it in a nutshell. And I guess if people feel like they need to know any statistics, you know, is there something in particular you'd say just for people to keep in their mind? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of statistics out there and sometimes the numbers are kind of hard to to grasp, right? I mean, I'll just say just a few statistics, just get us thinking about a few things. We release 50 billion, that's with a B, billion tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere every year. I don't know about you, but I, I have a very hard time imagining what billion tons are, right? I mean, these are, you know, 50, 100 railroad cars full of coal that's just being released into the atmosphere. So that's kind of one big picture item. I would say the next kind of big fact, if you want to think about facts, is that we've actually already increased the average temperature on our planet by about a degree. And we are, we're very quickly making our way towards that one and a half degrees. And that doesn't really seem by like that much. You're like, really, what's a degree? But I would say to you, the earth is kind of like our bodies. You know, we work best at 98.6 degrees. You know, we think about our temperature. And when we hit that extra degree, like that 99.6, we get to 100 degrees, we think we have a fever. Like we're sick. Sometimes I have to go to the doctor and get things checked out. And so, that degree doesn't seem like a much, but actually it is a big important part of why our planet is not reacting in the same way that it used to. I think that's really, really helpful actually to explain it in terms of the human body and our sickness and, and what happens when our temperature rises. I haven't actually heard someone refer to it like that before. And, and it's those sorts of analogies or comparisons, which I think make it so much easier for people to understand more in their mind or it makes it so much more relatable. So I think that's incredibly helpful. I guess there are also a lot of pervasive myths out there about climate change. Are you able to talk us through a few of these and bust some of these most common ones that come up? 
Oh, sure. I mean, ones that I hear a lot about are, are, for example, oh, there was a huge snowstorm. You know, how can our planet be warming? You know, and that's confusing kind of the difference between weather, which will happen day to day, and then climate, which is kind of the long term change in how our weather operates on longer time scales, right? What's another one that I hear a lot about? It's not human caused, it's natural. Like this is this has been part of our, our planet for millions of years. And I will say, yes, we do have natural variability in our climate. We used to have ice ages, it's been warmer, it cycles back and forth. But the issue right now is, I mean, like I said, we are putting billions billions of this carbon dioxide in the atmosphere these by burning fossil fuels and we are essentially adding these blankets to our planet that it hasn't had before right and so we're just making it warmer and warmer and piling on the blankets and so nope it's pretty much us we're doing it there's no doubt what's another one that i hear oh i got this is this is what i actually hear a lot it's a future problem you know, we don't have to worry about it now. That's something that we can take care of later. I don't know about you, but I've I personally am experiencing changing climates as we speak. It is 102 degrees outside in Columbia, South Carolina. It's going to be even hotter. And so, you know, there used to be a time where we would play soccer all throughout the year. My kids would go out, they'd play soccer. And yes, you'd have water breaks because it'd be hot. But now it's hot through September and October, and even in November, we're taking water breaks because it is so hot outside, right? So we're, we're seeing it right now. So yeah, so that's another one. And perhaps the one that I, I hate the most, but it's the one I also hear. And it's, you know, we are not the problem. Everyone else is. For us in the United States, we think about, oh, you know, China's the one that's emitting way more fossil fuels than we are. So if we change, it's not going to make any difference. And I guess I would say to you is that, hey, yes, China is perhaps one of the, the largest, largest emitters of like greenhouse gases. The U.S., we are also very large. But I'd also say that China and Europe and a number of other areas, Australia, right, are also, some of the largest investors in renewable energy, really looking into sustainable practices. And, you know, they're making us look really, really bad here in the United States. So that, that would be my response to that one as well. Yeah, I think what you're saying there resonates a lot, a lot of those points, but particularly the one around all countries stepping in, particularly developed countries stepping in and you know, not only making these changes at a government or systemic level, but, you know, really taking on board the opportunities that the transition holds and positioning our societies for a better future and all sorts of new jobs and renewables and technologies. I think often the political dialogue can not cover off as much about the opportunities that there, there holds for our societies. And I'd really love to see more of that coming into the conversation. I, you know, I agree, right? I mean, there are so many opportunities. There's so many ways to invest and really think about how we can develop new technologies, new, new jobs, right? Because we know we're going to run out of fossil fuels. It's going to happen. So rather than being caught 
flat-footed. It's it's an opportunity to really be forward-thinking about where we really want to see ourselves developing and going and really creating all of these opportunities and jobs for, you know, not just, you know, individuals today, you know, the kids who I teach at, at the university, but, you know, my kids and, you know, and their kids, right? Absolutely agree. And so I guess as a climate scientist who knows a lot about our changing climate, how does this influence the way that you approach parenting? Yeah, you know, as a parent, we all want what's best for our kids, right? I mean, we want our kids to live better lives and have more opportunities than we do. And so, you know, for me, I I talk a lot about the work that I do you know, as an oceanographer and someone who studies climate, I talk about why it's so important to to just talk about climate change and just talk about all the things that are happening to our planet that we're causing. And so I, I talk to my kids about that. And I remember especially when they were younger, oh gosh, mom, it's so hot. Or mom, there is yet another thunderstorm out there because it's so hot and humid and got to get rid of all that energy. And I would talk to my kids about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is why, and this is where it's coming from. And I guess it's been something that we've always talked about too. I mean, I've been talking to them about this probably since they were five or six and they're pretty smart. They, they get it. And, and it wasn't, um, and then we talk about opportunities too, you know, and this is some ways we can make a difference. And yes, this is why I'm going to, we're not going to have the house be so air conditioned, you know, when it's really hot, we're going to turn up the temperature and why we take the stairs and, you know, all of us kind of playing our parts, right? At the local small scale level. I think role modeling is so important because little kids, especially are such sponges, aren't they? And they, you know, learn so much from seeing what their adults around them are doing. So that is incredibly important in the conversations, um, taking actions as a family. And I do completely agree that it's really important to, to show that there are solutions and there are adults who are taking steps and really trying to, to fix things, which I guess probably leads us into this, this point around hope. And, you know, of course we need to be pragmatic about the current situation we're in, but I am also a big believer in needing to believe in the future we're trying to create. So what does give you hope about the future, Claudia? Well, I'll just say I I actually am so optimistic about our future and what we can achieve. You know, as someone who's a climate scientist, people are always asking me, they're like, wow, isn't that depressing? You know, don't you? <laughs> you know, how do you sleep well at night? And, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 I, I'm really optimistic. And I think the the reason for that is, A, you know, I see my kids and they are, you know, they're getting out there and they're talking about it and they're being activists and they're bringing their friends to the marches and and writing their, their legislatures. And they're like, no, 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 this is our planet. We have to make a difference. So they are they are making their voices heard, which I I love. And I'll also say that as someone who teaches students at the at the undergraduate and the graduate level, I am so amazed by the creativity that my students have, what they come up with, the solutions that they think about. I mean, everything from, you know, you put out solar panels in the field, but if you just um, one of my one of my former students, if you just move the solar panels and have them track the sun as it's moving across the solar panel field, 
right? You already increased the efficiency of those solar panels by, you know, 15, 20%. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, that's so smart and so clever. And, and I feel like if we just invest in them, invest in these new ideas and these new technologies and give them opportunities to go at it and make a difference, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to they're gonna solve it. I mean, I'm, I'm before the internet. Oh gosh, I just said that. I'm really old. But I mean, I remember, right? Like not having the internet and not having cell phones, right? And I'm like, we can do that, right? We can do a lot. We absolutely can, can't we? I know. And their, their ingenuity is quite amazing. And I even see it in my five-year-old and coming up with ideas. You know, he'll be thinking of things that are going to replace textures because there's loads of plastic or balloons and just, you know, the things that he loves right now. But he's already facing these little dilemmas of, well, I know that that isn't great for the environment. What can we do better? And, uh, yeah, the innovations they come up with, it's, it's, it's quite encouraging. And so... What would you say to our world leaders, given two minutes in a room with them? Oh, my gosh. Do I only get two minutes? Okay, I only get two just minutes. Just two. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I would, I would just be like, look, you can make the change. You can take the investments that you're currently putting into um, industries that you know are, are producing fossil fuels, you know, that are that are producing plastics, et cetera. And you could invest, take that same money and invest in green technologies, um, invest in all of these various aspects of industry and development that will provide you with long-term gains, not the immediate, but you're, but you're thinking five years down the road, 10 years down the road, and it's going to revolutionize how all of your cities, how, how all of your operations work. And it's going to make you money. I probably will make you money. Invest in your future. It will make you money. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Invest in your future. It will make you money. <laughs> Yeah, whatever needs to resonate, right? <laughs> different I mean, messages you know, for like, different people. I, I, I hate to say that sometimes, but it's true, you know, like, and, and maybe that's part of our problem too, is we're like, oh, you know, climate and sustainability. And, you know, I'm like, no, you can actually make money in this. And no, you can actually, you know, not just save the world, but and make the world a better place, but, you know, create all these other opportunities and, and be successful yourself. Absolutely agree. And then one last question for you, Claudia. So what would you like to tell our listeners, you know, those people who are looking after the next generation, you know, they're raising these, these children and, and really trying to raise kids to, to care for the environment and make change. What would you like to tell them? Oh, keep going. Keep going. We love our kids. You know, I talk about climate because I want my children to have that better life and future than I did. So I would just say to all of those parents, moms and dads and grannies and aunties and uncles out there to talk about it, have those conversations that, yes, our climate is changing and we're the cause and and make your voices heard. Don't just talk to your kids, but talk to your friends, talk to your friends, kids, write your mayor, write your senators, write your all of your policymakers and let them know that this is this is it. Like this is a critical juncture. This is time for us to really make a difference. And we we need to have our voices be heard. 
I love that, Claudia. That's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate having you on. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Your initiation into the Hatter Tribe is now complete. We really hope this episode inspired you and that you're coming back for more. If it did, please review, subscribe and share this episode with a curious, climate conscious friend. It makes it possible for us to keep having these conversations for you. And there's lots more where that came from. Check out the show notes for more details on this episode and our fabulous guest. And if you just can't get enough of us and manage to grab another few minutes peace in your day, do come hang out with us on social channels where we share real tips for real parents and help you to turn eco-anxiety and gloom into fun and playful action. And not forgetting you can regularly see us making a fool of ourselves on reels. Together we can hope, act, thrive.